what I'm talking about. Wait. Okay, now, from the beginning. Welcome to BS, Beyond Stereotypes, a podcast about lawyers using their authentic voices to change the world. My motto that I try to live by is to set audacious goals, but celebrate incremental victories. So awesome. folks, you know, so if you, you that feeling of being trapped and you don't know what to do, like, you know, set the goal, set the intention, um, but also like show some grace to yourself and just know that everything is going to be okay. Everything's going to work out um, and celebrate the, the, the little things too, um, the, the step-by-step. Uh, to, to that will steps taken that will ultimately get you to where you want to be. Welcome to BS Beyond Stereotypes. I'm your host, Merle Vaughn. Here to BS with me today is my friend, Eric Burton, whose story I find fascinating and who will no doubt inspire all of you to embrace your authenticity. Hey, Eric, how are you? Hi, Merle. I'm great. Thanks for joining. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. We've been trying to get this together for a while now. I'm glad glad the stars finally aligned. Yes. Yeah. I know when we first spoke a couple of months ago, I was right in the middle of our season two of USFL, which is uh, Fox's uh, spring football league, professional football league. Um, and so my schedule has been quite crazy. But now that we're after a season, uh, things have settled down a little bit. Okay, so let me tell the, the audience a, a little bit about you. I was stalking you online this morning, and you're not that easy to to dig up stuff on, so you're going to have to tell us stuff yourself. <laughs> but Eric is the Vice President of Business and Legal Affairs at Fox Sports Media Group. He's been with them for 14 years. Uh, prior to that, Eric was a director for uh, for about three years at Fox Cable Network. Prior to that, um, Eric was an associate uh, for for five and a half years at Morrison Forster, affectionately uh, known as MoFo. Um, Eric <laughs> uh, attended UCLA Law School and uh, went to Stanford undergrad. Did I miss anything, Eric? That's uh, that's it. You, you you captured me pretty good. I, I know that there's one thing that's missing, and that is how you left MoFo. Um, and I happen to know because I I placed you out of MoFo for a very <laughs> short stint uh, in house, um, and and then and then you moved on to Fox. Um, but one of the things that I you know I I like to start out by giving you an opportunity to kind of you know, give us an idea of what your story is. Like, what what has your journey been? Um, you know, where did you grow up? How did you grow up? Who helped you believe in yourself? Who helped you along this journey um, toward, to, to becoming who you are, where you are? Um, so if you don't mind, I'm going to give you the, the floor to give us uh, an idea of, who, of what that looks like. Sure. Um, so picture this, 1975. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> grew up in Oxnard, born and raised in Oxnard, California. It's about an hour north of LA. Um, you know, middle class, working class parents, uh, very multicultural um, a neighborhood. So um, I like to talk about like Oxnard. I'm very proud of, of where I'm from. Um, my family's still there. Um, folks still living in the same house that they've had since 1970. Um, and I love the fact that I'm from Oxnard and the fact that it's such a diverse um, city and town. Um, so I grew up with all kinds of different communities and you know friends of all different backgrounds and races. Um, and I feel like that has really you know been uh, a great privilege uh, to be from Oxnard and to have that sort of um, place to to grow up because it really sort of shaped my worldview and my comfort around lots of different types of folks. Mm-hmm. Um, was a sort of shy, uh, effeminate, uh, overweight kid. Um, really? Yeah. So that was, I think that kind of also shapes kind of my, my childhood. So, um, and so I sort of escaped, you know, I didn't fit like the mold. I, my, my, a little bit about my dad who uh, was a Vietnam vet, you know, very like like a, a, a man's man, like a tough guy. And so like I w- and I was his first son. So I have two younger brothers, so oldest of three. Um, and I didn't really fit into, you know, that sort of athletic sports. So I sort of retreated into books. So I was, you know, that shy kid that was very, um, you know, found escape uh, through reading and books. And I was sort of a self motivated sort of academic kid. So, um, and I think that sort of kind of shaped my childhood and got to high school and was very active and I was, did everything, was in the band, I was on a dance team, um, president of my school. Um, and so through all, a lot of hard work and you know, academics, you know, I got accepted at Stanford and went there and then law school after that and that's and then um my life began as a lawyer some 20 years ago I can't believe how fast time flies I know right nutshell about my journey so there's a lot to fill in there so I'll let you sort of yeah well I I said really because you said you're overweight and you know it's funny how you that is not uh, something that I would have expected um, to hear from you, but but being what you self-described as effeminate and overweight, that that did you get bullied in school, or or what were you, you just happened to be in a place where nobody was you you didn't have bullies? I didn't really. I was really fortunate. I, I wasn't really bullied, although teased, I guess. Um, but. I always had a very strong connection to who I was, even though I was very shy and reserved um, and also just very confident still. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think that that sort of protected me, um, you know, growing up. Where do you think that confidence came from? Uh, you know, I don't know. I, I, I was always just really like self, there was something in me from, and I, my my mom tells a story. I don't remember it, but she tells a story about how I um, I was at my grandma's house one one day, and a fireman came because there was some issue next door. And I was three, 
or four and the fireman was talking to my grandmother and said, oh, hey, little guy, don't you want to be a fireman when, when you grow up? And I said, no, I want to be a lawyer. And, and I don't know where that came from. Um, I had a very, my grandma, I had a, my other grandmother who sadly passed away when I was three. Um, I think she would, you know, read to me and, you know, fill my head with all kinds of things. She would call me the little master Eric. So uh, maybe that sort of like subconsciously like, you know, gave me uh, some some internal tools in, in order to sort of navigate life. Um, but yeah, I just always had like a very sort of uh, disciplined, sort of motivational. I was, you know, very academically in, inclined. So um, I think I just sort of just ran with it. And so, you know, back to the self self-described effeminate and and the fact that you had a very man's man's father, you know, the guests, you know, just for our guest uh, edification, uh, you are an openly gay man. And and I'm just wondering, when when did you figure that out? And, and, and when did your father figure that out? Yeah, so, um, you know, coming out was a, a journey for me. So uh, I think that it's, it's sort of, a, I wasn't out until after college. So okay. yeah, so I didn't come out until, until law school actually. Um, so that was the tough, you know, it was tough sort of feeling like I didn't really fit in to the sort of expectation of what it meant to be a man and then to be a black man and to, to have so much academic promise. So like everyone's right. like, it was very um, clear from, um, as a child that I was going to go on to, to do great things like, and, and be, uh, get a, a professional career and all that. Um, and so I think I internalized a lot of that, those expectations, even though my dad was a man's man, he wasn't like, he wasn't homophobic or anything, but I sort of put on expectations onto myself based on right. what I thought he wanted. So, um, so I wasn't, I didn't come out, I didn't feel comfortable enough to, to come out until, you know, until adulthood. Um, and now that we, I, looking back, I sort of put a lot of things on myself unnecessarily. You know, I love my dad and, and we have an awesome relationship and he's super supportive. Um, but um, yeah, that was, it was quite the journey. Um, but I'm, I'm blessed to have had both of my parents who instilled, you know, core values, um, uh, honesty, hard work, discipline, uh, taking care of family and community and those things. And um, those were the primary drivers uh, and sort of helped me sort of navigate sort of the, the, uh, the course of, of coming out, which I think was, was difficult. But once I came out to my family, that was a hard part professionally mm -hmm. it hasn't been like I've not had any sort of reservations or hesitancy or anything like that about being out and open in terms of my uh, professional career. So when, when you're looking at law firms out of out of law school was was that something that was top of mind for you were you 
you know, like researching the firm or the partners or the other lawyers to to feel, you know, find some place that you thought would be accepting and 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 uh, uh, where you you would feel uh, like you belong, or had you like walked that uh, for so long that you it didn't really matter because you were confident enough to be successful anywhere. Yeah, I, I I think that and before law school, I took a year off in between college and law school, and I worked for Morrison and Forrester, the firm that I ultimately ended up working um, for um, in San Francisco as a paralegal for a year. Um, so I knew that Morrison and Forrester was a, a great firm for many reasons, but one of them was yeah, it was very progressive. Um, and I think at the time they had an openly gay managing partner. Um, so, so I, it, it was a factor, but, um, like I said, I was pretty confident in, in, in terms of my sexuality, uh, professionally. So I didn't feel, um, yeah, it, yeah, I didn't feel like, uh, constrained or in any way, um, when I was looking for, for law firms and, and, and I wanted to work in LA. So, you know, most of the firms, um, that I looked at, I all had you know great reputations, but I think um, in terms of being open, I didn't perceive that to ever really be an issue. Do you remember if the managing partner was Keith Wetmore? Yes, that's who it was. Because you know Keith is a recruiter with us now. Oh, that's that's amazing. So yeah, we'll have to we'll have to give a shout out to Keith on on uh, uh, on the when we when we post this. Absolutely, and I'm sure he doesn't remember me. I'm sure, but uh, it would—he was like a uh, his presence, and you know, you never know who's looking at you. All the people who um, you may never know or meet, but um, he had a, a great influence just in terms of his visibility and his representation. Right, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a small world. So, okay, so you. You go to, you become a lawyer. You decided three that you're gonna be a lawyer. I think that was again my grandmother's doing. And also, I should also say that uh, as a kid, LA Law was on during the '80s, and right. Blair Underwood's character on on that show also um, uh, was a sort of a, a guiding sort of thing to aspire to. So, you know, we talk about like media and like representation. representation of folks. Yeah. It really, it does matter because as a, as a young kid, seeing a black lawyer on TV, um, it, it made it all seem um, all the more possible. Yeah. So you go to like, uh, go to law, you go to a great undergrad, you go to law school, uh, you come out, you go to a great uh, uh, firm, and as I recall, you wanted to be a transactional lawyer, but that was during the time when there nobody could be a transactional lawyer. The, the, the economy had gone to hell and you ended up being an environmental lawyer, right? Yes. Talk to uh, us about that. <laughs> right. So I, I sort of thought that I would be an entertainment lawyer. So that was sort okay. of like one of my early sort of goals. Um, and when it, 
was it was a summer associate at MoFo, it's like 99, 2000, came out, got an offer. Uh, and then they had, a, at the time, MoFo had a, a very small entertainment uh, practice group, which you know was very competitive and everyone wanted to, to do that work. And it just, they didn't have, um, there weren't enough, there wasn't enough work to, to take me on. So I had two options uh, to join the litigation group or to join the environmental group. And I knew I didn't want to be a litigator and uh, uh -huh. environmental group, although it was a practice area that I really wasn't interested in, it at least had, uh, it was a hybrid practice group that did both litigation and transactional real estate matters and some regulatory things. So I thought that it was for my skill set purposes, um, the the better of the two options. So that's how I decided to to work in environmental law. And so was 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 there a a final like uh it's something that happened five and a half years into it where you just said okay I need to make I need to do something I need to uh go in house I need to make this move or did I just call you out of the blue I mean I, I don't remember her uh how that happened yeah so um I the decision to join the environmental group I was the right one at the time but probably a year into it I you know realized that you know I didn't it's it's hard to it's challenging to practice law um at that level if you even when you love the underlying like content of right what you're doing but it's especially hard when you're just not that into it you know I was even though it was a hybrid practice, the majority of the work was on the litigation side. And what I was doing was, you know, defense side environmental work. So defending companies involved in groundwater contamination cases, um, you know, violations of the Clean Air Act, Clean Water Act. I just wasn't into it. And uh, I worked primarily with one partner who I just did not see eye to eye with. I, we just had different working styles um i so i was i became unhappy pretty quickly probably after about a year and so by year two i knew i, I wanted to to leave um and so i actually started looking to go in-house after year two it just it took me you know <laughs> three plus years before the right uh, before i met you first of all and then the right sort of um avenue to sort of make my my grand exit uh, happen. But I was actually pretty unhappy for the majority of my time uh, at MoFo. Not, you know, the firm was great, but it just, I wasn't doing the work that I really wanted to do. I wasn't passionate about it. I had a difficult working relationship with the partner. Um, so I was sort of really ready to leave. Uh, and actually that year five, I remember being so frustrated and, and being really, I was driving home after a really hard day and I can't remember what, what had happened, but I, I was just sort of, sort of disheartened, disheartened by just my life. I had worked my whole life and studied and done the right thing and been so disciplined and went to schools and got all this great opportunity, but I was desperately unhappy. Um, and none of the sort of the in-house sort of interviews. I'd gone on a ton of interviews and gotten really close, like two or three times, uh, different studios uh, in town. And then it just didn't work out for me. And so I remember driving home one night, 
and just like pulling over and like just bawling just started crying mm -hmm. because I just didn't I just felt so frustrated by um my life professionally um and I just decided like I just have you know Eric you have to make this happen this is a make do or do or die moment so I just sort of changed my I just knew I had to make it happen and I I set that vibration for myself and within you know a month's time I ended up meeting uh, a person that worked at Fox who that's how I eventually made it to Fox but shortly after that I ended up meeting you um, and so that sort of things happened pretty quickly uh, after I decided to sort of set my 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 new vibration and and, and to take control right yeah right. so we feel like we, we don't have control but we actually do if we are bold enough to to sort of to set the right intention and to and to just to take take risks I love that you went there because we were kind of in the same place at the same at the same time and I had just started recruiting um and I also had recently started practicing Buddhism and so it was very much about setting intentions and vibrations and and all that and it was and recruiting was hard it was a very hard thing to do and I'll never forget and I, I think I've told you this before you were my first candidate you were the first person to agree to like have coffee with me <laughs> and um and it was we were just kind of I guess we needed each other at that time, even though I did not place you at Fox. Um, I, you know, I was like kind of your che biggest cheerleader, I think. And no. um, and so it's funny how we we when you put stuff in the universe, you can find it. You know, what you need can find you. Absolutely, you know, and I, and since that time, which is now, you know, twenty, uh, no. 15, 16 years ago, um, I've sort of led with that, sort of setting the intention, um, being very clear and specific about what I'm asking the universe for, uh, and then making moves to, to achieve that. Um, and, and that's been a, a great sort of turning point for me, both personally and professionally, because a lot of things sort of fell into place after I sort of changed my, my vibrational um, tuning. And so, you know, this is a great conversation for especially not even just young lawyers, but any lawyer who kind of feels stuck, right? And and feels like, you know, well, I started this, I have to finish it, or who is afraid uh, of of what might happen if 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 they make a move. Um, it's, you know, what what advice would you give people who are feeling stuck uh yeah. everything is in transit like there's there's no sticking unless you're yourself there right so i um i think the setting your vibration in, in terms of like wanting to make that change it, it, it's frustrating because i think we place um, a lot of external factors, uh, and we give up control to the to a certain extent. Um, but when you really have clarity of thought and and intention, 
um, and just believe in, in yourself and believe in that. For me, it was the hardest part was like trying to figure out like what I, what I really wanted to, to do. Um, but once you figure that, that out, know and trust that um, the universe will deliver to you what you are asking for if you are willing, if you're clear about what you're wanting and willing to uh, put in the work um, to get there. Right, because everything, it, it all really is kind of an illusion, right? It's it's all what you know. It it exists, but you can you can trans you know transfer you know your existence to where where you actually want to be. Boy, we're we're really going over the. Uh, <laughs> We're we're getting out of the realm of of our our legal practice and getting into vibrations, and I yeah. love that. I mean, I could tell you stories about how you know I just you know I I I once read this book. I sorry, I was in a really bad place, and I I uh, started reading this book called "Excuse Me, Your Life Is Waiting," and yeah. I couldn't couldn't figure out how it was going to at the time going to get my daughter I had no money had I was in a bad place and I and my daughter really wanted to go to to the sleepaway camp and I read the first three chapters of this book and I put it down and I just said I'm going to make this happen and within 2 hours I did and that's when I I really came to believe that you really can set intentions and vibrations if you're willing to take action yeah um and 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 just have have uh confidence and i mean and that goes back to what you said about your young self you were just confident i mean when you just said i didn't i had to figure out what i wanted to do I was taking notes and you said you were in a band, you're on the dance team, you had confidence, you wanted to be an entertainment lawyer. You've been setting this intention all yes. your life. It just sounds like maybe you forgot what it was. Yeah, and I also feel like, you know, um, you, you graduate and you have all, there's all these expectations. And so I, I, I placed, limitations on where I thought I could go based on things not happening in the in the way that I thought that they would right so like my whole life was a series of of decisions and hard work in order to like there was a roadmap right you study hard right. and you and you take this exams and you get into school and then you work hard and you get good grades and then you take the LSAT and then you get into law school and then you you get a certain uh, grade and then you can interview with these firms you know it's very structured it's very sort of like the the pathway is there but it, i was on a path that it was established but it was leading me to a place that i didn't really because i wasn't clear i just knew i wanted i knew i wanted to, to be a lawyer i knew i wanted to be an entertainment lawyer the entertainment law piece didn't happen for me right away it, and so while i was i felt like i got stuck because I was afraid to like step outside of that, that established path, you know, going the firm route. It's different now because the, I think the industry has changed so much that, you know, when I was growing, when I came out of law school, you couldn't just jump into 
in-house. You couldn't just go work for an entertainment company. You had to, I felt like you had to work at a firm to get, you know, your training and experience. Um, today, I, I think that there's so many more sort of platforms and services and the technology has changed so much. I feel like the opportunities um, are a lot broader. But in terms of like blazing a, a path, you know, like that's the part where, that I felt like I've had to sort of evolve myself into being bold enough to sort of step outside of, of those established pathways that were very comfortable. I think as lawyers, I feel like we tend to be, you know, risk averse and we tend to like, we can rule, you know, we have follow the rules and the procedures and step by step to, to get to a certain place. But um, we need to be clear about that place that we we're trying to, to get to. And I wasn't that clear. I, and it wasn't until I sort of sharpened my focus um, that those things started to happen for me in, in the way that I was wanting. So, okay, so you wanted to be an entertainment lawyer. I, I was telling you earlier, I, I sometimes I stalk you on, on Facebook and I see you doing a lot of fun things, going to a lot of great concerts and music and stuff like that. I have yet to see you at a sports sporting event. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so talk to talk to us about sports as entertainment and how the two of those intersect and you know how that satisfies your or satisfies your need to be an entertainment lawyer. Yeah, so me and sports. So <laughs> <laughs> like I said, uh, growing up, I was like not athletic at all. I, I, I had this athletic dad and he watched sports all the time. So I was always around it, um, but just wasn't that into it. Um, and my idea of becoming an entertainment lawyer, in my mind, I thought that meant, you know, representing talent and or working on, you know, script developments and the traditional like entertainment stuff. Um, and that's kind of where I had my focus and um, when I was interviewing at different studios that it was it was those types of jobs that I, I was looking for um, the, the the how the Fox Sports opportunity came my way was I was at a holiday party this is probably in 2005 2006 um, and I met a nice lady at this holiday party and she was talking, asking me about what I did. And I was telling her, you know, I'm a lawyer, I'm an environmental lawyer, I'm really unhappy. Um, and she said, well, um, I'm really good friends with um, uh, the woman who heads uh, Fox Sports's um, legal team. Would you be interested? And even though, you know, sports wasn't really my thing, at that point, I was like, yes, like, I thought. <laughs> You know, um, and so that's kind of how the opportunity sort of came my way. Um, and it turned out to be a blessing in disguise, even though I'm not a sports person, I, I'm working in sports media. So I'll, and on a transactional basis, um, and it just turned out to be like the, the sports industry is just such a dynamic, fast moving uh, place. Uh, and it's, and it's still television and it's still talent, you're working with talent, you're still working on production. So a lot of the same types of work um, that I thought I wanted to do on the traditional entertainment side, I'm now involved with 
just on the sports side and hindsight, I'm like, it's the best thing uh, that, that could have happened to me because I really do enjoy um, what I'm doing now. Um, and that's part of the reason why I've been at Fox for this number of years. It's, it's due to um, the opportunities that um, sports provides at the and, and at the deal making level too. So I'm spent um, the first part of my time at Fox working uh, supporting the regional sports networks. So those were the 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 networks across the country that um, had deals with the local sports teams, NBA, uh -huh. MLB, and NHL. Um, so negotiating um, telecast rights deals was became sort of like my bread and butter uh, the first part of my career and sort of it's evolved and changed. I felt like I've had probably three or four different jobs because the sports media business is always shifting and changing. So the opportunities sort of feels like a never ending stream of opportunities that I've been able to sort of ride uh, that wave um, doing what I'm doing. So, um, and you're right, I don't, I mean, I work in sports, that's my life all day long. So if you're stalking me on social media, <laughs> You're not gonna see me at a at a game. You're gonna see me at at, at a concert because I, I love music. Um, little side note is I, you know, I talked about being in a band. I play the saxophone, being on a dance team. I sort of thought that you know I would want to do something on the creative side too. I was in a dance troupe in college, and I was singing in a choir, and so I thought hmm, maybe. And I did some acting, so I thought maybe this okay. is. A, you know, like oh, I could do this, but um, when it really came down down to it, it's like okay, uh, I've <laughs> my parents have helped put me more took a second on their house. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> to Stanford, uh, I can't go and uh, and uh, go on. You know, try to be a singer or something like that. Well, and if you had become an actor, you'd be on strike right now with my daughter. She's a, a writer mm -hmm. and she's in SAG and uh, WGA. And it, it's oh, not yeah. looking pretty these days. No, I'm, 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 yeah, it's not, it's not a good situation right now. I, I'm, and I, I feel, I feel for the, those folks. Um, does that affect, does that affect you guys at all? Um, not really on the sports side, no. Um, that's one of the things. I mean, sports is a lot, you know, kind of free uh, from that. Um, so I, we've had a few. Like when I remember when I first started, um, we had the last big strike, which was like in two thousand seven, two thousand eight, um, and you know, sports and reality TV, sort of like, and news were the things that were sort of unaffected by uh, the, the union issues. Um, but I, I do feel on a, on a personal level, just uh, for the, the writers and, and the actors who are just trying to you know, make a living uh, in, in a fair way um, in the challenges of the industry and, and changed from the traditional linear TV to streaming services and technology and all that stuff. Um, we got to figure out a way to um, to fairly compensate people. Right. Well, and yeah. what's what now one of the issues, the big issues for the the strikers is AI. Are you finding that AI is is something that's creeping into sports as well? Um a, a little bit, um but I it hasn't not to the level that it's 
become a material piece, but it's something that we um, are have our eye on. So, so what what would you like if there's a a, a lawyer out there who's you know either in some or someone who's in law school about to come out or and they kind of want to pursue the a similar path to you or somebody who's at a firm and and you know wants to get out like you did, um, you know what advice would you give uh, to you know kind of what do you need? Is there is there a certain skill set that that you guys look for when you hire folks at studios or kind of what what is the the uh, profile of someone who's coming into uh, to to your industry now? Um, so I, I I it's really like person it's personality but. I, you go to school, you go to law school, I think people come out generally with, you know, the same set of skills. Um, mm -hmm. I think it's more like self-driven, like what are, what do you want to do um, in terms of where you want to take your career and what's your plan to get there? So um, I'm very like, it's very case by case, right? Everybody's different. Um, but I feel like having that clarity of of thought about what you want to do is like the main part. I mean, like I think once once you establish that, um, that's I feel like that's where most of the work is. Um, so you know, people that are sort of self motivated and disciplined and and just interested, you know, uh, business. It's really it, it's skill set, but it's also like you know how do you interact with people, you know, mm -hmm. and um, what are, you know, and having interpersonal skills and having people like you. I've seen this in my career where, you know, you can be the best uh, lawyer or the best business person or the person with the best ideas. But um, if you don't know how to um, have people like you, you know, at a certain level, you know, if it's mm -hmm. by establishing relationships. And that's one thing that I didn't do enough of earlier in my career was um, getting out there and networking. You know, I'm just, mm -hmm. I was not like a natural like networker. I was more like, just get your, you know, roll up your sleeves and do the work and then things will happen. But, you know, if you can do the, you can do that, but unless you are sort of putting yourself out there and letting people know who you are and what you can do and what you're capable of, um, you won't be as successful um, as you could be. And so back to your question about how to, you know, people who want to like uh, get into uh, go, going in house or working in entertainment or into sports, I, I would just say um, get out there and, and meet people. I, I'm like, I think I started earlier saying, you know, I was a shy sort of reserved person. I'm still that person. Um, so it it's not, it takes some effort, extra effort, right, right. To, to network and to go up to someone and, and strike up a conversation or to reach out to, to someone if, I, if you're doing something cool. And I think that, you know, I want to know more about that. Or I want to learn how to do what they, they that they do. Like, I'm getting better at it, but it's taken me, <laughs> it's taken me a long time. I wish I would have been better at it earlier um maybe it, it wouldn't have taken me 
six years to to leave Mofo if I had well, been uh, better uh, at networking myself and 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 not feeling like uh, there was like a you know if I did great work that something would magically happen like you know, right. I had to be proactive and assertive and take control over my own life and career you know um, and I think the coming out part of it you know the, through my adolescence and coming out after after college. Um, that was sort of taking control over um, over my own life, you know, mm -hmm. and not letting the society or the world dictate to me my worth or my value, you know, working as a gay black man in, in, a, in a corporate environment, like it's, I've been successful and I have, I show up as my authentic self. Um, and I think that is also one of the reasons why I've had um, this, the level of success that I've had thus far. It's that authenticity and that sort of self-knowing that you are good, you're worthy, you're just as smart, um, just as capable. Um, and, you know, we deserve to, to be in these places. Right. So that's a perfect segue. And I was going to say, you know, we are here to BS about uh, getting beyond stereotypes and, and what, what's, and, and also, uh, being true to our authentic self. So thank you for for uh, giving me that segue. What stereotypes do you feel people make about you, uh, and why? And you know how accurate are they? So stereotypes. Okay, I remember. So I remember when I got I got accepted into Stanford years ago. Uh, I, the assumption was, oh, you're an athlete, even though you could look at, oh. at the time, you could look at me and like, I wasn't an athlete at all. <laughs> was like, I remember going to go, I was at the time, I was an escort for a debutante ball. I never forget this. Um, and uh, I was at this little cocktail reception um, and I, I was super excited and I, I just got into Stanford. And it was like, it's great. And so I was, someone was asking me about it and and the lady was like oh did you were you was this a football scholarship or you know and and, and that was the first and I was just like what this is just because in my mind I was just you know I hadn't never thought that that would be the assumption <laughs> but then it happened to me quite a lot and so I so that was sort of my first sort of like okay like people are thinking that i I'm not, you know, the only, the reason why I got into Stanford was because I was a football player or affirmative um, action or something like that. And so um, I, I, I just feel like from there, I was like, oh, you know, the, the world may see me uh, and, and make assumptions about um, who I am just on, based on a set of, of, of preconceived notions, right? Um, but as I've gotten uh, older, I've sort of figured out that um, to not let that sort of, to not really think about that. Well, and and good for you. I mean, that and this whole, the whole, I mean, we could do a whole podcast on uh, affirmative action, right? Based on what's going on yeah. in our, in our country right now and, and, and what that means um, and whether or not um uh what what the effect of rolling that back is going to be i mean my my position 
is I've made my position really clear, which is, you know, anybody who has had any modicum of success uh, at all has received some kind of affirmative help, um, whether it's been uh, whether it's been, you know, someone who meets you at a cocktail party and, you know, and says, you know, I like you, I should introduce you to someone or whether it's a counselor that tells you about some program that you apply to or or whether it's a partner in a law firm who, you know, gives you good work. Um, right. All of that is affirmative help. And this yeah. idea that the only people who look like us, uh, you know, uh, or, or, you know, from from uh uh, underrepresented um, uh, demographic groups are getting help is ridiculous. Yeah. No, totally. I totally agree. And um, as I've evolved my, you know, from those early days till, you know, going to the law firm and, you know, people assuming you're riding in the elevator and they look at you, they think, you you know, you're in the mail room or something like that. And, and I remember there was this one time where, I, I was there in the elevator and some lawyers from a opposing counsel and another thing were in, the, in that same elevator and they started just, they looked at me and probably just assumed, oh, this is a person, <laughs> not, you know, but actually it was like, they were discussing uh, matters that they would not have been discussing had they known that I was actually a practicing lawyer at the time. So it's little things like that, that sort of over the years sort of shape, sort of shape your um, sort of awareness that the, those external things are out there, but um, I've, I've rejected them. I don't think about them. Um, the, 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 you talk about like the privilege, like people don't like to talk. We all ha have some amount of privilege, right? Yes, yes. Um, And the idea of, it's, of, of the discussion of it, it's not to, make someone feel guilty or like feel like you have to give that up, but you need to recognize that the, the, the privilege and by pretending like you don't have advantages um, and that you've gotten everything because of your smarts or your hard work. Um, I, I, I challenge that. Um, yeah. And I, we, we all are here um, through a set of circumstances. I know I, I'm, I'm here through hard work, but I'm also here because I had privileges. I had parents who owned a home who could take out a, sec a second on it to help put me through school. You know, that in my mind, that's a privilege. Not everybody had that. Um, and so I'm, I'm always very, I sort of have an attitude of gratitude is something that I try to, you know, on a daily basis, um, really think about um, and sort of surround myself with this, this being, fully appreciative of the privileges that I've had and the opportunities that come my way um, and in turn try to try to give back and, uh, and do what I can to, uh, to help other people. And that was going to be my next question because, you know, recognizing your privilege is, is almost like, you know, it, it, the first step, right, is you, you recognize your privilege and like you said, we all have them. What you do with that is you know what to me determines you know your your life it determines on determines whether or not you can look yourself in the mirror 
you know, yes. and, and and feel good about what you're doing and and what you've done. And and um, you said that you like to give back. What what kind of things do do you like to do? I um I love I love working with people. So I I have mentored people over the years. Um, I really believe in in black entrepreneurship. Uh, so I'm I'm right now I'm I'm helping out a, a black startup a content creators uh, on the entertainment and like tech space. Uh, I've had I've always made like pro bono work a, a, a part of what you know my practice. Um, so I've continued um, pro bono matters uh, throughout throughout the years. But primarily I, I love to mentor people um, and uh, and young and younger folks um, in terms of um this i'm using my own sort of journey um and how i sort of got here I, I feel like those sort of like personal connections and relationships um have been vital i know there are people who have helped me along the way um and i'm i was always grateful for for that sort of guidance um and it's really fulfilling to me to be able to to help other people in that way so, you know, we're we're almost out of time. Um, I was just wondering, you know, there's and I've alluded I alluded to this earlier. There's just so much going on right now that could negatively affect um, folks like you, folks like me, um, yes. you know, my kids, my grandkids. Um, and, you know, it's exhausting, it, you know, at least yeah. for me, it, it's exhausting to think about it. It's exhausting to talk about it. Um, you can't give up because our the people who came before us didn't give up. But you know, so what are your thoughts on how you continue to be your authentic self despite the the obstacles that people are trying to throw in your way? Yeah, I, I mean, it's we're we're living in a, a, a tough time, I think. And for me, as a person who lives for and thrives to evolve, to progress, right? To have greater understanding of who I am, but also like where we are as like as a world and as a society. And the idea of going backwards to me it makes me almost nauseous, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah, and I, I'm I was a poli sci major. An uh, undergrad, I love politics, um, but for the past few years, um, it's been such a toxic mix of things. I've actually had to pull back my sort of the political, my focus on the politics has sort of been adjusted downward just because the, the time and attention I was focusing on these issues but feeling powerless uh, to do anything about it, you know, um, and and so I've sort of uh, been doing a more self-reflection and sort of just been more inwardly focused, uh, and then my, and surrounding myself with um, with friends and 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 family members um, to help me sort of navigate uh, what's going on. But you know, everything is is local for me. So in in terms of like feeling powerless to, to to fix things you know i think that's 
that's that's also not like the right sort of way. I have to quickly pivot out of that feeling of powerlessness and sort of focus on the things that I can, can. control, mm -hmm. right? So um, there are little things that we we all can do um, to to try to make the, the world a better place and to not you know not go backwards. Um, but it's it's a tough time politically, uh, and and when you sort of uh, think about where we how far we've come um we have to keep progressing and i i'm i'm optimistic that we're gonna get there it's uh, but currently i i don't see a lot of for me value in focusing on like politics like i i had previously i'm more focused on like what can i do in my personal life in my professional life to um to have a positive impact. Um, and so that's kind of how I've tried to <laughs> figure things out. Well, good um, for you. I, that I'm, I'm, uh, I think I'm there with you. Um, and so, I, okay, so one last question, hopefully, you know, this will be, we'll end on a fun note, which is what concert are you going to next? And is it Beyonce? Uh, <laughs> Uh, I, it, I am going to Beyonce, <laughs> yes, uh, but I feel like, I think there's a Sam Smith show, actually I'm going, that's right, back to back, so there's a Sam Smith show, and then there's a Beyonce show, like the next night, this is at the end of uh, August, uh, so those are, I think those are my next two concerts. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. Um, yeah, no, I, I, that's it, I was just, uh, you know, I, I really love music, so that's my, escapism uh is uh live live music well at this point i've watched the um the tiktok videos of uh beyonce's daughter blue ivy on stage so many times i yeah. think i i think i know that choreography <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, I think I do too, Merle. On it, if I'm being honest. <laughs> well, I want I want you to take a, a video of it when that when they do that piece. I need you to send me a video of you doing that choreography. <laughs> she's gotten a lot better, I might add. She's she's okay. grown. <laughs> well, Eric, uh, thank you so much for being here to BS with me today. It's been a lot of fun. I've learned things about you that I did not know, which is one of the reasons this is such a fun thing to do. And I also, I think it, it will be, you know, uh, 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 an episode that will resonate with a lot of folks who want to reinvent themselves uh, in their in their legal career. Um, and, and you're a perfect example of how to do that. So thank you for being here to BS with me today. Well, thanks. Thanks for having me. You know, I'll just I'll leave with this sort of final thought about um, my motto that I try to live by is to set audacious goals, but celebrate incremental victories. So, awesome. folks, you know, so if you, you that feeling of being trapped and you don't know what to do, like, you know, set the goal, set the intention, um, but also like show some grace to yourself and just know that everything is going to be okay. Everything's going to work out um, and celebrate the, the, the little things too, um, the, the step by step. Uh, to, to that will steps taken that will ultimately get you to where you want to be. There you go. Everything happens when and how it's supposed to, just like this this uh, episode. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
So thanks to everyone for listening. And until the next episode, remember that everybody is different and different is good. Hit it. That's what I'm talking about. Wait. Okay, now, from the beginning. We hope you enjoyed the stories shared in today's episode of BS, Beyond Stereotypes. Join us next time when another authentic personality unleashes their uniqueness on the world.